Welcome to the Restoration Living Podcast with our host, military chaplain and spiritual care director, James Johnson. With so many voices in this world fighting for our attention, it's easy to believe that we aren't good enough, that our past will always haunt us, and that we will never measure up. But the voice of God is telling us that we can live a life of restoration in Him. Our Heavenly Father doesn't want us to let our past decisions determine our present peace. Instead, He wants us to find that life of restoration in Him. So grab your Bibles and join us as we dig into God's Word to discover timeless truths and proper application for our lives today. Hey guys, welcome back to another session of our Bible study through the book of Revelation. And we have been working through so many great things as we have gotten into the meat and potatoes, as I call it, of the book of Revelation, where we really get into the interpretive process of understanding what the apocalyptic imagery represents, what's the symbolism being used, and what Old Testament references are being made to help the reader connect their present situation with the future promises of struggle and preservation by God. So as we left last time, we finished up Revelation chapter 6 and started on Revelation chapter 7, that so far as the Lamb of God, Jesus, has been opening the seven seals of the scroll, the scroll that is the land deed to the promised land of Israel. God is opening this scroll, Jesus is opening it, and what we see whenever a land is contested in the culture of the Jewish culture of the day, the the, uh, official, the magistrate would use their authority to break the seals, open the land deed, and read the original terms of it so that the dispute can be settled. And as we see, because the people of Israel have not kept the Mosaic Covenant, God is making a new one. He's going to deal with the promised land, the unity of the nation of Israel, and the sacrificial system. Those are the three things that are going to be handled in this middle section of the book of Revelation, in this big chunk of what John is being told is going to happen. And so the first four seals, as Jesus opened them, brought about the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And we talked about how an apocalypse is not the end of the world completely. It is an unveiling. It's a revealing of what's going to happen in the future. And the first horse was the white horse, which represented Nero. The rider on the white horse was the king with the bow that had no arrows that represented the emperor Nero, who would bring about the persecution specifically on the Christians. But as the Jews revolted in the Jewish revolts, from the taxes that Nero was levying against them to pay for all of his projects, then General Titus, who would eventually become the emperor as well, uh, ends up leading his army on the on the city of Jerusalem in the nation of Israel to 
conquer and subdue the people during their revolt. So the first horse, the first seal, is the white horse with the rider on it that symbolizes Nero. The second seal brought the red horse, whose rider represented the Roman military. It was red, given a sword with authority to wage war. And that's what military you know, people do. That's what the armies did. And they surrounded Jerusalem, laid siege to it, from April of 70 AD to August of 70 AD, which brought about the third seal, which was the black horse whose rider was carrying the scales. And we talked about how during the siege, supplies would get so scarce that a loaf of bread would cost one day's wage. And we talked about how crazy it would be for inflation in America to go up to where a $1 loaf of bread would be worth an entire day's wage, which would be about $80 today as of this recording. So that would be really, really drastic inflation. And that would be it's a, a clue into the suffering that the people in Jerusalem, the the historians believe that it was well in the hundreds of thousands, up to a million people could have been in the city of Jerusalem when the siege happened. And so this was a pretty terrible time during these months, which leads to the fourth horseman, which is the pale green horse whose rider is death and his companion is the grave. And it talks about all of the death and the sickness and the plague and the destruction that would happen, that, that all of these hundreds of thousands of people would be slaughtered, even those who ran out of the city and threw themselves on the mercy of the military were either slaughtered or enslaved as a result. So this is a pretty terrible time. And then the next seals were where we left off, where the people, um, the martyrs, were crying out for, you know, God to bring justice for what was done to them. They were given a white robe and told to rest. And we talked about how the white symbolizes the purity that God gives us through salvation, through redemption. And so we got into Revelation chapter 7 a little bit in our last session, but I want to backtrack and review just to make sure we are on the same page. So if you've got your Bible, let's open to Revelation chapter 7 and let's review a little bit of what we saw and make those connections we barely scratched the surface on and we want to dig a little deeper in this session. So Revelation chapter 7 starting in verse 1 says, Then I, and this is John still talking, Then I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds so they did not blow on the earth or the sea or even on any tree. And I saw another angel coming up from the east carrying the seal of the living God. And he shouted to those four angels who had been given power to harm the land and sea, wait, don't harm the land or sea or the trees until we have placed the seal of God on the foreheads of his servants. Now, this is a symbolic promise because we know the, the earth is not literally square. It doesn't have four corners. We know it's a globe. But that phrase, that symbol of the four corners of the earth refers to a map, right? And God's symbolically going to hold back all of the things that bless the earth naturally, right? The natural things that bless the earth is the wind, that the wind on the earth stirs the seas. It wakes the, makes the water cycle work. It brings, you know, uh, pollen and seeds throughout the land and, and naturally replenishes things like grass and the water and all of these things. And so if they hold back the wind, then there's going to be death 
and decay all over the world. And so the, the other angel comes up and says, wait, don't harm the earth until the seal is placed on the foreheads of God's servants. Now, this is an Old Testament reference to the book of Ezekiel. In Ezekiel chapter 9, the day of the Lord is coming. Judgment on Israel is happening for their idolatry. And God is going to allow another nation to come and take Israel captive and as a punishment for their disobedience. And look at what happens in Ezekiel chapter 9. Starting in verse 3, it says, Then the glory of the God of Israel rose up from between the cherubim where it had rested and moved to the entrance of the temple. And the Lord called to the man dressed in linen who was carrying the rider's case. He said to him, Walk through the streets of Jerusalem and put a mark on the foreheads of all who weep and sigh because of the detestable sins being committed in that city. Then I heard the Lord say to the other men, Follow him through the city and kill everyone whose forehead is not marked. Show no mercy, have no pity, kill them all, old and young, girls and women and little children, but do not touch anyone with the mark. And so as they go through, and this judgment is symbolism of the terrible slaughter that would happen to Jerusalem by the Assyrians and eventually the Babylonians would be the ultimate ones who took Israel captive from the prophecy that Ezekiel was given on that great and terrible day of the Lord. And we talked about how the day of the Lord simply refers to God's judgment on someone or something. And so... As we go through, we see this idea of a seal being placed on the people who have this heart for God. That even though they, the, the, these people are God's chosen people, God's, God's covenant people, the Israelites, God is going to bring death and destruction and punishment on them for everyone who does not have this mark. So we see in the book of Revelation a reference to this. And all throughout the New Testament, there are numerous passages that refer to this sealing. And we're tempted to think of this as a literal seal, that there'll be an actual mark on the people. And if you read fantastical books, like the Left Behind series, it actually says that there is a physical mark that can be seen on people uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit who are followers of God. But that's not what this is talking about. Look at some of the other evidences we see. So for example, in uh, the letter to the Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 says, In him, talking about Jesus, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. The seal of God is the Holy Spirit. Look, look at this. Um, that, that 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19 says, But God's firm foundation stands bearing this seal, the Lord knows who are his, and let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Or, um, you know, the, the, the uh, Gospel of John, chapter 6, verse 27, Do not work for food that perishes, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. What is God's seal? The Holy Spirit. Jesus received the Holy Spirit at his baptism in, in the beginning of his ministry. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22, And he who has also put his seal on us and given us his Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. 
um, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So over and over again, uh, one more, one more, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21 and 22, and it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us and given his spirits in our heart as a guarantee. So we see this um, over and over again. I'm sorry, that was a repetition in my notes of the previous one. Um, uh, let's look at, uh, let's see, one, one more, one more. What's my other one? Um, and uh, Ephesians chapter 1, um, oh, we already read that one. Okay, so we see this idea in Ephesians, 2 Timothy, first, or 2 Corinthians, um, uh, the, the book of Romans, this is the one I was looking for, um, it says that uh, he received a sign of circumcision as a seal of righteousness, right? The purpose would make him the father. So we see this seal is an idea in both the Old Testament and the New Testament of God marking his people who have a heart for him. In the New Testament, the seal refers to the Holy Spirit. And so it's not going to be a physical mark like a tattoo. It's going to say that people are going to be seen by having the Holy Spirit. That is God's seal on us. The mark on our lives is being lives that are focused on and centered on following the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. And so it's not a tattoo. It's not a physical mark. It is something that shows the world we are God's by the way we think and act. Hopefully that makes sense. So let's keep going. Revelation chapter 7. We talked about this a little bit last time as well. And John is going to hear one thing and see another. He's going to follow that pattern we talked about before. And I heard, in verse 4, and I heard how many were marked with the seal of God. 144,000 were sealed from all the tribes of Israel. And he goes through 5, 6, 7, and 8. Talk about how every tribe of Israel has 12,000 members sealed. Now, this is has been abused and taken out of context by people throughout history thinking it's literally 144,000 people that that's the only people that are going to be saved is that 144,000 but numbers in Jewish culture have meaning 12 is the number of tribes of Israel 12 times 12 is 144 so that's a multiplication by itself means an immense number that's why Jesus says we forgive not seven times but 70 times seven times right he's saying this massive number this exponential amount and to give more credence to this massive number, we end up seeing that it's not just 12 times 12, but it's 12 times 12,000 from each tribe. So this is massive, un, you know, unimaginable number of people are going to be saved from the tribe of Israel, from the tribes of Israel. But as we keep going, we he see what John is told, what he hears, but then we also see what he sees. So look at verse 9. After this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands, and they were shouting with a great roar, Salvation comes from our God, who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. So John hears that there'll be a massive, impossibly large number of people saved from the tribe of Israel, but what he sees is millions countless people, too great to count, from every tongue, every tribe, every language, every nation, the whole world, 
What does this represent? That God, just like we've talked about before, wants everyone on the planet to come back to his family. Every human being, God wants them to return home, to be part of the family again. It's not just Israel. Israel is the starting point, the launching pad, but the world is the plan. And this is a beautiful start to our understanding that God used the nation of Israel. God created a nation for himself that did not exist in the world to show his glory to the people and to bring about salvation so that everyone in the world could come to God if they wanted to, if they choose to. You see, that's the thing, that that John hears one thing, but he sees another. And this is a beautiful image saying God wants everyone, not just Israel. And, and, And this is something that has been misunderstood in the church for a long time, that people think, oh, God has still has a covenant with Israel. God still has a promise to fulfill with Israel. That's a half truth. Yes, he does, but only because every believer is now part of Israel. Every believer, we read this before in Galatians and Ephesians, where everyone who puts their trust in God becomes part of his people. Part of the true sons of Abraham are ones that have the Holy Spirit in them who trust in Jesus. Look at verse 11. It says this, verse 11 and 12 says, and all the angels were standing around the throne and the elders and the four living beings and they fell before the throne with their faces to the ground and worshiped God. They sang, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and strength belong to our God forever and ever. Amen. So John goes back, he sees on the earth all of these countless people sealed and saved for the kingdom. But then he gives his perspective back to the throne room of God and sees the people giving God glory and praising him and showing their their worship and adoration to Jesus and to God. John continues to ping pong back and forth. It's almost kind of like he's looking over a cliff that he takes his vision and puts it on the earth and then back up to where the things are going on in heaven in the throne room of God. Verse 13, Then one of the 24 elders asked me, Who are these who are clothed in white? Where did they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you are the one who knows. Then he said to me, These are the ones who died in the great tribulation. They have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb and made them white. That is why they stand in front of God's throne and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will give them shelter. They will never again be hungry or thirsty. They will never be scorched by the heat of the sun. For the lamb on the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of life-giving water. And God will wipe every tear from their eyes. What a beautiful promise. This reminds us again that the great tribulation is not some future thing that's going to happen in some later appointed time. This is something that happened in the life of John and the early church. Why? Because this was promised to the seven churches when we read the letters. This was something John said was going to happen soon. This great tribulation was going to happen. And John told them it was something so great that if God doesn't lessen it, then the world couldn't stand it. It said it will never be that great again of a suffering. So we don't have to worry about it happening in the future 
as far as this great tribulation, these are the martyrs that died in the persecution of the Roman Empire on the church. Started by Nero, and of course it continued under people like Domitian and Justinian, but the great tribulation began under Nero. We saw that already. And one of the things that the promise is that God is going to give them shelter, the throwback to the living water from the prophet Jeremiah, that, that God is the fountain of living water. And this is the promise that God is going to give them sustenance. And we love this passage that says, and God will wipe every tear from their eyes. And yes, he will do that for us one day. But this promise that is so often misused in funerals is specifically for the martyrs from the great tribulation those who were killed during the persecution that Rome brought on the Christians and on the church. And so we see that John is being given this insight. And so every, so far, all of these six seals show what God is doing and how he is going to open the land of Israel. Let's finish in this section and start Revelation chapter 8, verse 1. When the Lamb broke the seventh seal on the scroll, there was silence throughout heaven for about half an hour. Now, time does not matter in heaven, but this silence lasts for a long time. Why? Because the land deed is opened now, and everybody is waiting to see what God is going to do. The, the, the reality is there's not going to be another one. We see that after this, we're going to go into the seven trumpets. So there is no new land deed. Time doesn't exist in heaven. It says 30 minutes that God is giving time for this to happen. God is allowing space for the land to be taken from Israel. Now, as far as numbers go, half an hour is 30 minutes. The number 30 is associated with death. There's a time in Jewish culture, the Jewish period of mourning, called a shaloshim, is 30 days. And so this 30 represents, is connected with death. And there's a so much death and destruction that is happening during the siege of Jerusalem. Hundreds of thousands of people will die in that siege as Israel has the land taken from them. And God, just as in the book of Ezekiel, allowed that to happen to Israel and the great slaughter in Jerusalem by the Babylonians, he's going to allow Rome, and Rome in the book of Revelation, by the way, is symbolically referred to as Babylon, because Rome is doing the same thing Babylon did to Israel in the past. And so, 30 is also not the, the symbol of the cycle of life. Joseph was 30 when he stood before Pharaoh and became vizier. King David became king uh, to reign when he was 30. Priests who work in the temple had to be 30 years old to serve there. Jesus was 30 years old when he started his earthly ministry. Rabbis took on their work at the age of 30. All of these things, every priest who served in the temple would have their hair cut every 30 days. A firstborn son is brought to the temple to be, um, you know, uh, bought, redeemed, right? They would have to pay the price for a firstborn son after 30 days of life. So this 30 is caught up in this idea of cycle of life and death. And so we see that this cycle of death is going to bring the end of the land deed. 
That's the bad news. The bad news is there are no longer any promises of covenant between God and Israel for the promised land. Ever since this time, Israel has never had all the promised land, and I don't believe they'll ever get it again because it doesn't matter. God has moved to something bigger. That's why John heard there would be 12,000 from every one of the 12 tribes, but he saw people from all over the world coming into the kingdom and being, you know, being given salvation and being sealed with the Holy Spirit. This is the point that the land no longer matters. One of the things that I, I had some one of those, you know, I like cheesy phrases to help me you know, remember things. And I, and, I, and I thought to myself, with the current, you know, war that's going on in Gaza between Israel and the Palestinians. And I thought, until people stop caring about a piece of land, there will be no peace in the land. That until we stop caring about one specific piece of land, one territory, Mount Moriah, that's been fought over for centuries, whether there's a Muslim mosque or a, um, a Muslim mosque or a Jewish temple on the mountaintop, it doesn't matter anymore. The whole world now belongs to God. And so what we're going to see next is the seventh seal creates silence, and now we start the cycle over again. There's a pattern that it, that it unfolds. First, there's seven seals, and the seventh seal brings about seven trumpets. The seventh trumpet brings out seven bowls. You see, each of these three sets of sevens represents the three parts of the Mosaic Covenant. And so we see in Revelation chapter 8, verse 2, it says this, I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and they were were given seven trumpets. You see, out of the seventh seal comes the next part. There's the silence in heaven, and then the seven trumpets come around. And so, why trumpets? Well, trumpets were used, there were two silver trumpets that were used by the, the leaders of Israel to collect the people together for festivals, for to gather them together for war, to gather them together for community meetings. Anytime the people were gathered together, the trumpet was blown. And the two trumpets were blown to gather the nation together, and that symbolizes the unity of the people that God gave them. That was the second promise of the Mosaic Covenant, that as long as they obeyed, they would be a unified people. But Israel has not obeyed. And just as they lost the land, we're going to see how God scatters them and takes away their unity as a people. That's what these seven trumpets do. Now, I'm going to kind of ruin it for you. That's what happened. <laughs> the Israelites were scattered into what's called the diaspora today, or diaspora, some people call it that way. That, that It's the fact that Jews have been spread all over the world, and Jews long to be taken back to the Holy Land, to the Promised Land, to they, what they believe is their promised inheritance. But what we see in the book of Revelation, this prophecy, this apocalyptic vision that John is seeing how God is undoing the Mosaic Covenant to make the room for the New Covenant. So as we look and see, this is a series of seven. Again, the seven is the number of fullness. So just as the full totality of the land was taken by Jesus who had complete authority, now the full unity of the people will be taken away from them. Because now it doesn't matter for a single nation. We are all part of God's people. We are true Israel. Look at this promise from 
Deuteronomy 28 that we saw we saw before in verse 9. If you obey the commands of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, the Lord will establish you as his holy people as he swore he would do. Then all the nations of the world will see that you are a people claimed by the Lord and they will stand in awe of you. God promised that if they were obedient, he would give them unity. But since they were disobedient, God promised that he would do the opposite. He would scatter them. And so this is what we're going to see take place in these seven trumpets. And just as the seven seals undid the land deed, these seven trumpets will undo the unity of the people. And so in our last few minutes, let's see if we can tackle the next little bit of verse 3 and 4. Verse 3 says in Revelation chapter 8, verse 3, Then another angel with a gold incense burner came and stood at the altar, and a great amount of incense was given to him to mix with the prayers of God's people as an offering on the gold altar before the throne. The smoke of the incense mixed with the prayers of God's holy people ascended up to God from the altar where the angel had poured them out. Then the angel filled the incense burner with fire from the altar and threw it down upon the earth. And thunder crashed, lightning flashed, and there was a terrible earthquake. Now, what we see in God's heavenly temple is a model of what was supposed to happen every day in the earthly temple. The priest would come in every day and they would burn incense before the altar of God, symbolizing the prayers of the people, that the prayers of the people were supposed to go up from the temple to God as an offering. And so this is why Jewish people today pray towards Jerusalem, because they believe that that is the place, the mountain of God, Mount Zion, Mount Moriah, right? All of these are names for the same location. And so this, though, is the opposite, that now the prayers are going up, and that instead of using the coal to burn the incense, the coal is going to be hurled down onto the earth to bring destruction and an earthquake. Now remember, this is symbolism. This is not a literal earthquake. It means that the the ground is going to shake, the earth is going to be disrupted, and the world is going to change. Now this is a repeating of the cycle. We see a spiral, right? This these seven seals open the way for the seven trumpets and so the same way that the land deed was taken, now the unity will be taken. What does this mean for you and me today as we get ready to close up this time together? We need to recognize that these things have already happened. We have seen through the Jewish revolt and the destruction of Jerusalem, the destruction of the temple, that God has taken away the land, the promised land, and replaced it with the earth. Now we're going to see how the unity of the nation of Israel is going to be taken away. They're going to be scattered throughout the world. and that's going to be given to the church. The church now is true Israel. The Holy Spirit is the mark, the seal of God's salvation on us. God's heavenly mark on us is his Holy Spirit. And you and I can live as marked people, as people who have a life marked by God. And so is this terrible and tragic? Absolutely. But we also recognize that the situation here on the earth is just a continual echo of what has already happened as we long for the day that God comes to set everything right. So keep this in mind until our next session where we'll pick up where we left off. Until then, be blessed.
Thank you for joining us for this episode. We pray that God uses it to inform your mind, improve your life, and ignite your heart with a renewed passion to impact others for the kingdom of God. And be sure to subscribe to this podcast so that you can continue along with us on this journey of restoration living.